Welcome to this episode of Saintly Witnesses, where I talk to the Catholic behind the account. Today I'm speaking with Ian Peoples, who is a Jesuit priest currently serving in Belize City. Out there, he is a chaplain and a campus minister, and he came on today to share some information about uh, his faith journey and a little bit about his discernment process to the Society of Jesus. So thank you for coming on today. You're welcome. It's good to be with you, Ephraim. I'm really, really happy to have another conversation. Yeah. So how we ended up getting acquainted was over the summer, you were doing some um, academic work and you needed the help of converts for your uh, graduate work. And, you know, I volunteered and gave you my thoughts and opinions on different trends and in the church. And I thought that was a very you know creative uh, project that you had to do for your coursework. And, uh, you know, I really enjoyed our conversation uh, during the interview. And I wanted to hear your side of the story now and get, you know, what your faith was like. And now that you are a part of the Society of Jesus, um, it just makes the conversation even more fruitful. So thank you. So let's talk about your um, Catholic upbringing. Uh, tell us a little bit about your cradle Catholic upbringing. What was it like, middle years, and how that led you to ultimately uh, going into the Society of Jesus? Yeah, that's it's a great question. I um, so my 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 dad was a cradle Catholic himself, and uh, he and my mom met in the Air Force, and uh, and my mom grew up Methodist, um, but when, once they started our family, my mom basically w- went to my dad and said, I, I want to raise our kids Catholic. I want us to go to, you know, the Catholic church because, you know, you, you were much more involved in your faith uh, growing up because my dad went to Catholic school, you know, Catholic primary school and a little bit of high school. And so uh, I, I guess my mom thought he was much more linked in. So of course my, my brothers and I, and eventually my sister, um, I'm the third born and I have a sister six years younger. She, we were all baptized as infants, you know, and I described our upbringing as just very, uh, like basic Catholicism, very, a very strong foundational basic Catholicism. We weren't super pious, um, and we didn't have a whole lot of devotions, but, you know, we, we went to mass every Sunday. We prayed before meals. We had meals together. We had dinner together and we prayed before dinner. And, uh, and then my dad, I always remember we couldn't get to sleep until my dad came and, and prayed with us before going to bed. Um, and he would always come in and say the guardian angel prayer. Um, and so that, that prayer means a lot to me. So all these just very simple things. Um, and then from a young age, I would say from about nine years old, you know, I remember sitting in mass and just being drawn to what was going up on up at the altar and, uh, you know, seeing the altar servers and sort of wanting to do that. And so I, I eventually, my mom signed me up for to be an altar server. I was the first and only boy in my family to do altar serving. My sister followed suit and she was a better one than I because I only was an altar server for about a year because I would fall asleep on the altar. So not a good look, not a good look. So my mom pulled me out. And um, um, so I don't fall asleep too often in mass anymore, but, uh, back then I was doing sports and, and whatnot. So that was happening. But, uh, as I got older, you know, I still, I was still drawn into the faith and, you know, um, and I said, even at a young age, I would say, you know, I'd become a priest. Like if priests could get married, I'd become a priest, you know, because I sort of had it in my mind then that I wanted to be a, a you know, a father and I wanted to have 
you know, three boys and a girl, just like my family when I grew up. And so, um, uh, so all I knew when I was growing up was DOS and priesthood. And I had some great DOS and priests and they actually got me involved in a retreat program in high school. And that got me, that had, I had some really powerful experiences, particularly in a live stations of the cross where I, I was playing the part of Jesus, um, uh, on the way of the cross. And, and that was very moving for me. And I, and I felt like Christ communicated something to me that day. And so I had these really moving experiences growing up and, and sort of, I had said, well, I'd, I'll become a deacon when I get older. You know, I know deacons can be married. So, um, so uh, I had a, sort of a falling away from the faith though, uh, as I, as I got older, when I got to college, I just became kind of indifferent to it. Um, even though I'd had these really powerful experiences, just, you know, selfishness and, and um, sort of, getting lost in, in the college life a little bit. Um, and then thank God realizing pretty quickly that, you know, that without sort of being rooted in God, that I wasn't too happy. I wasn't, I didn't really like who I was, you know, sort of living in the selfish ways that I was. And, and I started kind of seeking God again and eventually started going back to mass. And then the priesthood question came up again. Um, and a group of guys who helped bring me back into the church. One of them was discerning the vocation of the Jesuits. And so he, he basically uh, got me thinking about the society. Um, And that's how I sort of uh, started thinking about the Jesuits. But anyway, so a very basic Catholic upbringing. So you just described, you know, a lot of information in your faith journey. Um, So now I'm wondering, are there any influential people, teachings, saints, or anything that have uh, helped influence you in a major way? Well, a couple of people come to mind. Um, one of them is a priest named uh, Father Wa Win. Uh, and Father Wa was this, is this cool Vietnamese priest. He was my parish priest um, around that same time where I started thinking about priesthood when I was younger. And because uh, he was just young, dynamic, he played soccer. He taught me my, my first soccer trick, which was called the rainbow when I was in sixth grade. And soccer is a big part of my life. So that, that was really meaningful that a priest was the one who taught me the first soccer trick I ever learned. So, um, and he was just a joyful man and is a joyful man. And, and I think is the first one that started get, getting me to think about the possibility of priesthood. And then uh, another one is, is uh, Father Richard Kirkham, who's a, a priest in the Fort Worth Diocese. And he was the priest who was at my parish basically when I came back and had my reversion and, and, he got books in my hands and he just took the time to talk with me and sort of form me. Um, and then I think uh, saints that drew me in one, one particular saint, obviously St. Ignatius. I think the story of St. Ignatius is something that I can just identify with so much. You know, he, he uh, had a lot of like worldly ambition. He was very prideful, kind of, kind of a vain guy. And then God just took all of that and sort of reoriented it t- towards, towards his service, towards the Lord's service towards God, God's greater glory. And, um, and I think that's what the Lord does. He takes what we take to be our weaknesses or our flaws, and he sort of transforms them into the ways by which we serve him. And so Ignatius was really an inspiration for me and helped me start thinking about religious life in particular. So you've been Catholic pretty much all your life. What would you say to someone who was discerning the Catholic Church? Or, you know, why should somebody... Uh, join to be a Catholic? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's only one reason it's Jesus Christ. Right. Um, And I think even before I started practicing my faith again, I'd already started exploring my relationship with Jesus. I still 
had this, this relationship with Christ. And, and like I said, these powerful experiences that I had in high school helped me sort of hold on to, I think, um, belief in that Jesus was, you know, is alive. And, and that, um, and once I started wanting to dive deeper into my, my own faith life and my own, uh, religious life, uh, the interior life, uh, Jesus was kind of waiting, you know, and, um, and I think getting to know the person of Christ, you know, reading the gospels, uh, praying and just like really speaking to the Lord and, and, and asking for guidance. Um, that's what eventually led me to like, I, like I, it's the, the faith is what I want. And because I saw all the good things that I see in like, you know, I looked into some other religions and spiritualities just to learn a little bit more. And I saw that everything I liked about every other religious figure, anything good that I saw in any other religious figure or spirituality, it was all incarnate in Jesus, right? That Jesus embodied it, you know, in a way and, and embodies it, you know, and, um, and uh, wants to help us do the same, you know, and, and wants to give us his, his own life so that we can, we can do the same, that we, we can embody, you know, the, the spirit of Christ. And um, yeah, so, I mean, I think get to know the person of Jesus, you know, and, and uh, our faith has, you know, so many figures. Um, there's such a rich tradition of, of prayer and spirituality and, and uh, different forms of prayer. And, um, you know, one of the ones I love the most as, as a Jesuit, especially is Ignatian Contemplation where we read the scriptures and we, um, we use the application of the senses, you know, we use our ability to imagine, to place ourselves in the scene and to sort of watch how the spirit moves figures and, and, and places us in the scene as different characters and helps us to look at Jesus in a whole new way um, using these scriptures that we can get so used to, right? Because we hear them all the time or read them all the time, but they're really the living word, right? And they're a, a of just a wonderful means to encounter Christ. And so I think that also that form of prayer is really something that helped me. And I think it, um, especially for those who are more inclined to have an active imagination and to really utilize that part to engage in that form of prayer is just, uh, it's really a wonderful thing. So you were a Jesuit with the Society of Jesus. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you got involved or what led to your discernment to a vocation in the priesthood and uh, how did you end up choosing the Jesuits as um, your religious order? Yeah, well, this is a good opportunity for me to, to give a shout out to a couple of the people who I, I love most and have had such a wonderful impact on me. Um, I mentioned this group of guys who helped bring me back to the church uh, back in college. And, um, and one of them is names, his name is Greg Hakim and he was discerning a vocation to society um, and, uh, he ended up getting me thinking about the Jesuits and sort of interested in who the Jesuits are. And, um, and he's married now. So uh, we, we took vows in the same year. He, he took vows to his wife and I took vows to, to Jesus in the Eucharist. And, um, uh, but he got me interested in the Jesuits initially um, just by his own person and his own witness. Right. And just the way he lived out the faith, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to look into what he was interested in because he was just such a good guy is such a good guy. And then that led me to sort of looking into um, uh, Jesuit spirit, Ignatian spirituality and Jesuit spirituality. I ended up buying a book uh, called uh, The Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything by uh, Father Jim Martin. 
And I, because I'd had one of those books that, that Greg Hakeem lended to me called Becoming Who You Are. And Becoming Who You Are talked about sainthood as becoming who God created us to be. It's not becoming something different than, than what we have been created to be. It's actually coming into ourselves in the full, the full sense, right? As another saint said, um, the glory of God is the human being fully alive. So taking that notion. And so uh, that was a book by Jim Martin. And I saw this other book by Jim Martin, The Jesuit Guide to Almost Everything. And that's a, sort of a broad um, look at, at uh, everything Jesuit, as the title suggests. And that got me thinking, like, oh, man, the Jesuits have done great things. They have great spiritual, you know, this Ignatian spirituality is wonderful. And, you know, I started talking to my priest, Father Richard Kirkham, who I, I mentioned, and he suggested that I go on a, an eight-day retreat, which I eventually was able to do in the summer of 2013. And on that eight-day retreat, there was um, a Jesuit priest uh, who was preaching at the masses. Uh, uh, basically, um, you know, he was presiding over the masses at the retreat. His name is Father John Payne. And there was something about John and the way he spoke um, then that, I just, you know, I'd, I'd kind of read about Ignatian spirituality and, and, and the Jesuits. And then I s encountered this Jesuit and I just saw that he was so, um, so grounded in the real world and yet so alive to the reality of Christ at work, you know, and uh, he just, he grounded these two things in a way that uh, I just found so attractive, you know, and, and it drew me in and, and it's something I wanted, right? And during mass one day, um, during the, the liturgy of the Eucharist, uh, I was just struck with the sense, this, this moment of clarity where God kind of wiped away all the clouds of doubt and confusion and, and gave me, um, gave me uh, an experience of my own deepest desire, which was God's deepest desire for me, which was to be a Jesuit. And I still look back to that experience as maybe especially on tough days, that experience is something that stands out to me, um, you know, and it would be called the uh, uh, a first time for the election in, in Ignatian spirituality where I was so moved that I couldn't doubt what was being, what was being presented to me. You know, I just felt God was putting this before me. Um, and since then, I, John Payne, Father John Payne is now one of my closest friends in the society. Um, and we span generations. He's, he's turning 82 in January and I'm, I just turned 30. So uh, friendship in the Lord um, you know, it, it, there's no boundaries there. Uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful the way, you know, um, he and I's friendship has, has, uh, really helped us both, I think, grow closer to the Lord. So, uh, that's a real gift. So I think that experience of, of reading about the spirituality, reading about the history, knowing what the Jesuits have done, and then seeing and meeting Jesuits, particularly John Payne initially, but then so many after him who just inspire me and um, helped me sort of deepen, helped sort of get me in touch with my own desires and who I wanted to be and how I wanted to serve the Lord. So I think, yeah, um, sort of encountering real people mm -hmm, has been super helpful. So as I mentioned in the beginning, you're currently in Belize City, working as a chaplain and a campus minister. Uh, tell us a little bit about your work that you do there. Yeah. Uh, so the work here, I've been missioned to be uh, in, to do pastoral ministry, campus ministry at St. John's College High School in Belize City. So it's, uh, um, yeah, so it's, it's one of the oldest schools here in Belize, if not, if not the oldest. And, and then also to do pastoral ministry, to be a chaplain out at um, the youth prison 
Um, I would, I would call it a juvenile detention center and I sometimes do, but it's called Wagner youth facility. And, and it really is, uh, it's, it's, it's a youth prison. Um, you know, uh, so the, the work that I do on campus is, you know, retreats, which I'm still kind of getting into. Like I said, I do, I do zoom retreats right now. So, uh, once a week we, I take a morning with, uh, anywhere from 30 to 60 students or so. And, and we sort of have some, some talks and we invite them to do some personal prayer and reflection. Um, and then we have small group conversation and, and, um, and that's going well, you know, I think retreats are, are, are best done in person. Right. Um, I think that's the, the, the best way to do them, but we're, we're making do since the schools here, none of the schools can gather in person. So that's all online right now. Um, so that's good. So I'm still settling into that work and, I actually just a couple of weeks ago I got out to, uh, to to Wagner Youth Facility for the for the first time, um, and this past week I started my uh, really doing work and, and meeting with with uh, the young men at Wagner's. So the work there it's going to be a lot of I think one on one conversations with some with the young men there. Um, you know, a lot of them, I would say almost all of them have been involved in gangs or, or in the, in the crimes that they're charged with are gang related. Quite a few of them are remanded right now. So they, they haven't had a trial. Um, and, um, you know, and they, they may not be guilty of the things that they're charged with, which a lot of them say, but a lot, and, and, and I've heard them say, you know, quite a, a few kids there say, you know, I haven't done these things, but I've done other, other stuff you know, other bad stuff, basically. And so a lot of it is just allowing them to tell their stories to me and then helping, helping sort of parse out, I think, um, helping parse out uh, their, their experiences, like helping them share their experiences and then pointing to the, them to what's good uh, in their lives, pointing them to how God may be at work. Really just, I think, uh, in general, just trying to help them find how God's light is already shining in their lives. And then maybe to, to help shine a little bit more myself by speaking a word of affirmation, by sharing with them, I'll also be um, organized and, and um, designing some programming there. So I think, you know, we're going to do things like Bible study. We'll do things like teaching them how to pray. I'm going to definitely teach them Ignatian contemplation, as I mentioned earlier, helping them use their imaginations. So a lot of the work there will be helping helping uh, the young men there um, process their experiences um, in a, a, a sort of um, a, a capacity for uh, like a spiritual capacity. So, uh, you know, I'm not a licensed therapist or anything like that. Um, and, and maybe also plugging these kids, helping them find other help that they may need, whether that be therapy, more intensive therapy of that sort to see if that's available. But the resources here are pretty scarce as you can maybe imagine. Um, so getting access to, to things that might be taken for granted in the, in the U.S. is it's a little more difficult here. Um, and so I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm still very much in a learning phase, but I feel very blessed to be out here. The, the conversations that I've already been able to have with some, some of the young men out there, you know, um, I'm just so humbled that, um, that God has, has led me to this place, that, it, that God is, is um, giving me the opportunity to to learn from these young men too, you know, to learn from their experiences, to learn, you know, uh, to learn what poverty does to people too. Cause a lot of these kids are growing up in very impoverished neighborhoods and, 
and they're not growing up with a strong family life, you know, and uh, just learning the, the sort of visceral effects of, of, of poverty and of not having, um, you know, like a strong tie with your family um, to like, these have very real effects and they, they lead, you know, uh, they lead these men, you know, I, I, I look at some of these young men and I, I think, you know, they're but for the grace of God, like they were born into situations where they didn't have a whole lot of options, you know, and, and gang life kind of was a natural choice for them to make. Um, and so now it's about helping them take responsibility to recognize where they need to take responsibility to recognize, you know, the places where they've been sort of led to, to bad decisions and, and to help empower them to make better ones going forward. Uh, that'll be a big part of my work there. Wow. The work that you are doing really sounds like you're establishing transformative relationships and meeting the people with Jesus. It's, uh, this is the, the, the Lord's work because I feel very, uh, I feel um, sort of shortchanged sometimes or like I, like I may not have what it takes because these, these, these young men need, need a lot. But uh, I think, I think God is doing good things and there are good people who are already working at Wagner's and, and uh, I'm happy to, to contribute and help in whatever way I can, trusting that, that God takes our weakness and, and, and uses it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that information. I think uh, the work that you're doing down there in Central America is, is really helpful and uh, you know, continue your ministry where God has placed you and continue the work that you do. And prayers for, you know, your ministry you're doing here. And, you know, I see you're, you're writing a little bit more, I think, uh, publishing online. And I love to see that. So I'm excited to see all the good work that you're going to continue to do. And, uh, yeah, really happy to, to connect again um, after a few months. And, and blessings on, on you and, you know, you and your, your wife. I remember I was talking, I think you, you have a little one as well. So blessings on your family, especially in some difficult times, uh, I hope pray that your family you know is, is doing well well that's going to conclude this episode of saintly witnesses you guys can tune into the next episode uh, where we talk to uh, the catholics across social media that are doing great things